Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Yes, it's technically a travel day here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, but a day without Jonathan Emord or a week without him is not a week worth having. So I'm still here. And he's still here as well as we crank up another edition of the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Jonathan, we're heading to the Health Freedom Expo this week. I'm heading out today. You probably head out tomorrow. Can't wait to see a great reunion, great events happening. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure exactly when I leave. It might be on Friday. I might be leaving, but I'm thinking, yeah. Uh, but I just can't wait to do to go there. You know, it's going to be extraordinary, Robert. You and I have been uh, there, I think, probably every year for maybe 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And what Julie puts together is something that everybody ought to see. It's a fantastic show. The um, exhibit hall is fantastic. You see stuff you've never seen anywhere else on Earth inside that exhibit hall. And then the lectures are always great. And people learn so much and they really love it. I mean, the, there is, there's a whole groupy mm-hmm. uh, uh, segment that comes year after year after year because of this. And it's different every single year. So this year we've got a, in addition to our regular programming at the, at the event, we have a special event and it's a save America event where you, me, uh, Congressman Dan Burton uh, Joe Morris, who's the former assistant uh, attorney general of the United States under Reagan, mm-hmm. and uh, and a whole host of other people are coming together, and it's going to be a great thing. A lot of people are going to enjoy that. They're also going to enjoy the lectures that we have throughout the day and and the panel discussion. We'll we'll all be together again for the panel discussion. Yeah. That'll be great too. Well, and we always have a health freedom a dynamic panel, and every year that's always different because we've. We've learned more from the previous year about what's happened, what's transpired, what's different. And, of course, it's always rooted in the history, particularly of uh, the experiment in liberty that we have as Americans in the United States of America. And, you know, much of your candidacy, should we should it come to fruition? You know, there's an exploratory committee meeting at the Health Freedom Expo. I just put that, I'm going to put that up again so everybody can see what Jonathan was just referencing. Special event to save America. And uh, Congressman Dan Burton will be there. Joseph Morris, I'll be there. Why Jonathan E. Moore should run for the U.S. Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine in a couple of years. And for those of you who are inclined to support Jonathan, and heck, if you're here, you probably are, there'll be some really cool giveaways for those that uh, uh, donate to the campaign, which I'm very excited about. I mean, we've got... uh a uh, whole bunch of spa kits. We have a whole bunch of nutritional packages. And then we also have uh, autographed copies of the authoritarians. Mm-hmm. And then uh, actually my first book that is out of print in hard copy form, we'll have a hard copy to give to someone. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, we're going to have white house ornaments that are rare and that are difficult to come by. Oh, very collectible. Things. Yes. Yeah. So all those things will be, given away to those who donate to the campaign. And uh, yeah, it should be fantastic. There's even a movie that has been created, I understand, by uh, our good friend, Dr. Robert Burkirk, that oh. will be shown. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's about me, but I don't, I haven't seen it. It it'd better be about you. It's either about me or you, Robert. It's no, I don't think so. But you're the guy, you're the guy running. We want to see run uh, for the Senate out of Virginia. Uh, so this is a bonus event that's never happened before at the Health Freedom Expo. And I don't think Dan Burton has ever actually been at, to the Health Freedom Expo. Oh, 
and he's giving a lecture also uh, on mercury toxicity in vaccination and vaccines. Wow. That, and, uh, wow. You know, he's been a champion for uh, freedom of choice by people that they not be required to be vaccinated to go to school. And also he's mm-hmm. been big on opposing the mandatory, the vaccine mandates all along mm-hmm. from the Biden did you, did you hear uh, on uh, Tuesday's show, I referenced uh, emails that are coming out. One of them was the White House colluding uh, to make it very difficult for kids to be kids in high school and extracurricular activities, sports and other things without getting jabbed. They they put these shot clinics up. They said, you're not going to be able to participate. I mean, it's like, holy tamale, with no evidence that the jabs ever, ever were even tested to prevent transmission. I mean, it's coming yeah, out. Enormous amount of evidence that kids are disproportionately suffering adverse effects from the vaccine. These are criminal elements within our government engaging in harmful activities that may have resulted in the deaths of children that would not have died nor have suffered even mild symptoms from COVID as most of these kids do. No provable benefit, no provable benefit whatsoever, but a lot of risks, and they're forcing it on kids. It's just, it's quite amazing. So, folks, the Health Freedom Expo is coming up this weekend and you know, Saturday, Sunday, go ahead. Robert, I should mention this one thing. So yeah. uh, in my lecture at 10 a.m. on Saturday, um, I'm going to be describing in some detail uh, the betrayal by Dr. Anthony Fauci of America. And I have a chart that is put together that shows a, a timeline of his actions that proves really his complicity with the communist Chinese and the development of uh COVID-19 mm-hmm. virus and, and, and his whole inner, inner connections with those who have profited off of it. Uh, and as, of course, we're waiting for the information to show the full extent of his profiting from uh, patents and so on that are associated with it. But it, it, it's, it's a horrible story. It is a real heart-wrenching and horrendous story of betrayal of the mm-hmm. country by Dr. Anthony Fauci at NIAID. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be investigated if Republicans take the House and Senate. Uh, and he richly needs to be investigated. But I believe there's enough here to really, really go after him. And if there isn't, he should at least be stripped of his retirement from the government. Mm-hmm. And he ought to be uh, denied any privileges associated with mm-hmm. uh, his former government service uh, when he when he quits. Uh, but uh, anyhow, he's planning on departing because he realizes that. Uh, it's going to hit the fan there, Robert. So Yeah, as well it should. Yeah. And once again, just imagining you in the U.S. Senate being able to hold hearings and uh, pontificate on the Constitution, you know, about legislation that you would propose or write and actually have the ability to back it up with historical and legal evidence uh, to support it. Uh, unlike many of these people that serve in Congress and even the Senate, that other people do stuff for them and they don't even know why they're being done. It's just embarrassing. I, I just want you to embarrass those buffoons when you get there. That's my plan. <laughs> well, uh, you and I both know, Robert, that I will be relentless in defense of individual liberty and will use that platform and the ability to introduce legislation to roll back all of these disastrous things that have violated people's rights and have denied parents the right to control the upbringing of their own children. And mm-hmm. we'll be doing a number of things that... Uh, you know, if we get in there, we would be doing a number of things that would help save our country. Mm-hmm. But uh, it all it all uh, depends upon whether or not we're able to raise the revenue. So we'll see. 
But I, if we do, then I will announce and then I will, I will go forward with it. Now, you're speaking a little bit about the body politic. It's interesting as we witness changes within the Democratic Party, the Republican Party over the years and decades. And, you know, that's part of history and understanding history, the transitions that happened and knowing origin points. You know, what are the principles upon which you, they proclaim they stand and that which they've abandoned? Uh, it's interesting. We have a story uh, from about Tulsi Gabbard, who's been a Democrat most of her, her career, uh, announcing that she's leaving the Democratic Party, calling it an elitist cabal of warmongers. Now, um, we're not weak on defense in our perspective, but we also recognize a constitutional way of going about defense of the nation, that the way it was written, the House of Representatives was set up to you know, take the serious consideration of war, a declaration. It couldn't be done by a king, queen, or emperor like in the past, and then you just – you donate the blood and treasure of all the people with no say, for instance. And the Democrats have become the party of, of foreign intervention and uh, basically bankrupting this country by investing billions and paying millions and billions of, of, to other countries when we hardly have it for our own people. Yeah, it's been, uh, in the case of the Ukraine, uh, the amount expended is just ridiculous, uh, particularly because there are specific weapon systems that are needed in order to provide the Ukrainians with an ability to fight effectively against the Russians. And the weird Biden administration has supplied all of this massive uh, expenditure, which has gone, I suspect, into uh, illicit hands over there, but also uh, has gone for humanitarian aid. And I'm not, I'm not objecting to the need to help people. But that's something for NGOs to take care of, non-governmental organizations. Mm -hmm. The federal government doesn't need to use your tax dollars to pay to feed and shelter people uh, who are in in the war zone there. The the reality is that we need to give them effective means to defend themselves and to repulse the Russian invasion. And that means the ability to use surface-to-air type of missile systems. There are many systems that are very effective that could have saved them recently from the recent bombardment that took place in the last 48 hours that resulted in large numbers of civilians being killed. They have no uh, <clears throat> hesitation to fight for their lives and liberties. All we need to do is to be an ally and support them in that regard. But uh, it ought to be targeted. It ought to be specific weapon systems that are effective. And I think that makes sense. That makes sense because... Russia is indeed attempting to uh, threaten our vital national interests throughout the entire world in that region as part of it. Yeah. And to the extent that we don't, I mean, but the smartest thing of all mm-hmm. is what Biden refuses to do, which is energy independence for the United States. Right, exactly. And yes. liquefied natural gas for Europe to wean them of any reliance whatsoever. Dependence on Russia. On Russia. And, and let's acknowledge the failed foreign policies like Ron Paul has warned us against. In other words, the meddling over there. And the fact is, look, if we had uh, like Canada, let's say Russia tried to come to Canada and align or China said we want to establish a security agreement and provide troops to Canada to, you know, would we, would we put up with that in America? No, that's right next door. And there are similar aspects of the history of Russia, whether we like them or not, whether we like Putin or not, that as a nation, you go, wait a second, these are our enemies going, we want to establish a military accord with our, na-. you know, you think about that in terms of maturity and assessing global interactions between countries. And you say, 
well, the foreign like policy Canada, led to this. Like Canada to the United States, Canada posed no strategic or other threat to the United States as it, as it, as it presently exists. And that's the same thing with Ukraine and Russia. Ukraine poses no economic or other threat to Russia. And so the the invasion of Russia is unprovoked. The idea that he he propagandizes is is absurd. That because there's a common language, that's sufficient justification and and cultural identity that is similar in certain respects. That's a justification. That certainly uh, extends only into the Donbas area uh, and certain other areas in in the Ukraine and in, in northern. Yeah. Eastern. I'm just tackling the controversy of going, hey, let's bring them into NATO. Like that wasn't going to goad, uh, you know, anybody who leads uh, Russia to go. I think I think uh, Putin is a, uh, a a very aggressive megalomaniac who's intent on uh, taking as much territory as he possibly can. The Ukraine, I think he perceived as low hanging fruit and he thought he could just uh, invade and send a shockwave into what he thought was a. I'm just saying, I think by the Biden administration tried to insta- instigate for other purposes that I don't think are the best interest of America. And that's no, part I, of the. I, in yeah. fact, remember uh, that it's his own son who received massive sums exactly. from Russian oligarchs and from corrupt Ukrainian uh, business people, as well as from uh, the Chinese. And mm-hmm. that, that Biden personally profited from those transactions because his own expenses have been paid out of the funds. That's a violation of the Foreign Emoluments Clause. Yeah. It's an unconstitutional act by a sitting president, and it's a grounds for impeachment. Uh, but of course, we don't want Kamala Harris in the in the old. No, I didn't either. But I guess the point, and, and that's where we got to, is that the Democrat policies of the Biden administration have made things worse. They have not helped. Worse. As- in fact, there's no strategic sense uh, at all, based on their absence of any clear objectives, any clear foreign policy, Putin laughs himself to bed uh, to sleep every night because he realizes that he he faces no serious opposition uh, in his quest. The only opposition that he faces is the one that comes from the Ukrainians. They're showing a much greater resolve than he had anticipated, and of course, he's losing huge numbers of. Russian soldiers in the process of pursuing this uh, ambition to, uh, to 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 sink the Ukraine, but for us it is better that uh, we prudently expend money uh, to achieve our strategic objectives. But doing this approach that Biden has, which is yeah. equivalent to look ma no hands, I mean he's he's just dumping massive amounts of money yeah. into the Ukraine with no apparent. Uh, other than other than to bankrupt us, it's like a you know, destroy America from within scenario by throwing all our money out there. And to your point earlier, which is huge and brilliant, I wish it, more people would discuss it. It's like, my gosh, we've got so much energy underneath our feet ca- capacity here in America to unleash that and to create independence once again. Then we don't have to do battle. Strongest, that's our strongest retort to yeah. Russia. No question about it. It's a, it's a strategic opportunity that has been squandered by Biden. The greatest ability of the United States to achieve our own economic interests and defeat Russia's is to do precisely what is required by opening up the spigots domestically, lowering the price of gas to $2 or less a gallon all across mm-hmm. the United States and making us energy independent in the process and then 
at the returning to our status, which was the case during the uh, last year of the Trump administration, where we became an energy, a net energy exporter. So we start exporting to Europe liquefied natural gas. We build uh, liquefied natural gas uh, stations along uh, throughout Europe. And then we ship all of that liquefied natural gas and we would be able to wean Europe from Russia and defeat a huge part of Russia's uh, overall long-term financial uh, gain. China will still bail out Russia, but this is going to be, and that would make it an extremely costly uh, endeavor. And a lot of people in Russia, remember Russia depends almost exclusively on its export of oil and natural gas Mm -hmm. uh, to finance its military empire and its totalitarian uh, I I think most people should be aware of it at at high levels of geopolitical consciousness. But why, oh, why would the Biden administration not see that and act on behalf of America rather than doing the things that are creating the destruction of our economy and our independence? Because in the end, they really want a socialist state. In the end, I mean, Biden sold his soul to the far left of his party. These are people who are rabid socialists who really want to use the Trojan horse of climate change as a vehicle to destroy the American economy. You know it's a Trojan horse when you when you discover that if the United States completely eliminated all fossil fuels, it would have no effect on carbon production worldwide. It would be a tiny blip. The vast majority of carbon pollution is coming from China and India, and there's no restriction whatsoever. Right. It only would achieve the destruction of our freedom in our country. It would destroy our economy, destroy our economic liberty, destroy our ability to compete in the world, render us a society in the Stone Age. We'd go back to being a third. We would become, for the first time, a third world country, and we would accelerate the expansion of China's dominion, economic and otherwise military, around the world. But but be be mindful of the fact that this is not a revelation to those who are doing this. They understand that. They are they are deeply invested in the notion of a global transformation that will result in an authoritarian world type of government. They're actually interested in that achievement where individual liberty is destroyed. And it's. It, I know people think, oh, gee, you know, how can that possibly be? Well, can you explain to me then why you would allow lawlessness and drugs and death and destruction and terrorists and MS-13 and 18th Street gang members and sex trafficking and drug trafficking and arms trafficking, un, uh, a, a unchecked flow through our southern border into the United States all across the nation can you explain to me why you would then not enforce the criminal laws, why you would allow uh, Soros-backed uh, district attorneys to, to refuse to prosecute people, to advocate releasing recidivist criminals into the society to wreak havoc and destroy people's properties and lives? I mean, this whole agenda of this administration, the whole agenda from destroying the nuclear family by destroying school uh, children in schools, by causing them to uh, uh, question their country's legitimacy, to 
cause them to think that socialism is the answer, that we need a Marxist revolution here, that everything about American history is sick and that the rest of the world is right when it condemns us. I mean, this this whole horrific ruination of our youth yeah. atop which this whole gender orientation nonsense and then even encouraging kids against the will of their parents and without their knowledge to have their their children's bodies mutilated through sex change operations and so on. I mean, this is an agenda that's nihilistic. This is an agenda that wants to destroy the future generation of Americans who would defend this country. Who they want they want the youth to hate free enterprise, to hate each other, to hate uh, the Constitution, to hate uh, the United States, to wish all of it away. And indeed, that wish will come true if they all in large numbers agree with the agenda that's being pushed. And this agenda is being pushed by the U.S. Department of Education, by the Biden administration, by the funding, the refusal of funding they're using as a basis to go after local jurisdictions and schools if they don't adhere to this woke agenda. I mean, this is all right. So what is it combined? It is a combined strategy to destroy the United States. And who's sponsoring it? The Democrat Party is sponsoring it. And who's leading it, the charge? Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden. Uh, They're doing the bidding of... Syrian candidates. Yeah, they're doing the bidding of globalist entities that sincerely and their express intent is to weaken America to the point where it is not an obstacle for globalist governance. Full-on, not just socialism, but communism. These have been decades, if not centuries, long... Uh, agendas that attempts to do that. And some of the history that you brought out in your book on, well, you mentioned it earlier, your book. It's interesting. We talked, we've talked many times about it here. Um, That history of progressivism from the 19th century to today, how it is undermined through subterfuge and deception over the span of more than a century, the fundamental principles that, were, go- were, were the governing principles, if you will, of, the, of an American government that was limited, constrained by a constitution that had a legitimate separation of powers for very specific and express purposes because all governments prior to the American government, the experiment in, in real uh, freedom, saw a problem with a combination of all the concepts of judiciary, executive branch, and judici- uh, and, and legislative-type branches all operating in one, like a king, queen, or emperor. And there was no limitation on what a king, queen, or emperor could decide would suddenly be the law. And so there was no defense of freedom, individual liberty. And in that regard, we're seeing what the Biden administration and the modern Democrat Party, for with, with rare exception, but this is again why I think Tulsi Gabbard has even left the Democrat Party, seeing this, that she couldn't even take it, that that party has just completely abandoned any limitation on the movement toward the ism-type governments that are completely collectivist, that don't acknowledge rights from God inherent in each individual, but grant privileges that they call rights from government based on good behavior. What is that good behavior? You know, it's wokeism. It's collectivism in every way and globalism. And those are the isms that destroy the beauty and specialness of this American experiment in freedom that never before in history, recorded history had been attempted. And here we are a lot of years into it and wondering, can we survive this through to the next election cycle? Well, this is a process of making us enemies of the state, making the American people enemies of the government. 
I mean, you only treat people like this if they are your enemies. You only invite crime through your southern border unchecked against American citizens if you view those citizens as enemies. Otherwise, you would defend them. You would protect them. You only allow fentanyl to be pouring all through the society and breaching our youth and killing people at astronomical levels without any check whatsoever. You only allow that if you don't like us, if you view us as the enemy. You only destroy our children. You only destroy our freedom. And you only compel us to get the jab against the evidence uh, if you perceive us as enemies. If we were not enemies, you would protect our interests. You would recognize us as the Constitution does, as the Bill of Rights does, as the Declaration of Independence does, as sovereign. You would view your role as representing our interests. This has been the historical relationship between representatives of the people and the people in our country. They, they're throwing it upside down and on its head so that they are now the privileged people who we are to serve by our obedience to their will. That's not freedom. That's not individualism. That's not individual sovereignty. That is slavery. And they want us to be slaves. Their actions speak so loudly and their words are largely incomprehensible. And the reason for that is that their agenda is largely hidden. And the truth is they want us to obey. Mm -hmm. They want us to follow their dictates. They don't want us to be free to choose. They don't want us to be free to have our own industry and improvement in this country. They don't want us to keep our earnings. They don't want us to invest as we would like. They don't care that you can't buy a home. They don't care that inflation is running riot and is going to destroy us, is already taking over 6,000. Well, it serves the purpose of the WEF to destroy the the, the, the ability well, of everybody to, to earn a living or anybody. And then you're like, I got, I can't do it. So please come save me. Come rescue me. That's the situation they want us to be in. So they come in and say, okay, we'll buy everything up. You own nothing and you'll like it. And this is the greatest empire of liberty in the history of the world. And they are destroying it. And I'll tell you, I think, as a matter of fact, I know that freedom is a constant. And that is to say that individual liberty And our rights, our natural rights, the rights we are born with from God, not from the government, those rights are always there, even when they are taken from us and suppressed in our minds, we know Mm -hmm. that we are meant to be free. And as a consequence, when when the, the Marxists and the communists crush liberty, they always get it back in the end because a free people will not remain in slavery. Now, the problem with going into uh, socialism and communism, in addition to Margaret Thatcher's point, which is that you eventually run out of other people's money, Mm -hmm. is that it creates universal misery, poverty, and oppression. And people cannot function under that. Sooner or later, uh, the, the, the walls they create come down. Sooner or later, the people rebel. Sooner or later, they reestablish liberty. 
That's been our history uh, in the modern world. Since the American Revolution, the world has learned these lessons and people can be oppressed and they can have their rights taken away. But in their minds, they always yearn to be free. And that's the greatness of us as a people. And so when tyrants arise and they take our liberties away, the, the reality is that we will reassert our freedom. We, it is a constant. It is always there. So w- what I'm saying is that let's not go there. In other words, we are now falling into an abyss of socialism created by Biden and the leadership of the Democrat Party. Why are they doing this to us? Because they want more power. They want to control us. They want more wealth. They want more power. And this is the most corrupt president, the most corrupt family uh, that has ever been in a position to control our country. It is as if we are run by a Manchurian candidate. He behaves as if he's a foreign power in our own country. He is attacking us. And those who are going along with it are themselves Manchurian candidates as well. And the solution, of course, is to kick them out through the voting booth and to try as best we possibly can to protect the integrity of elections in the process. Mm -hmm. But if we don't throw them out, I'll tell you, the matters, our lives already suffering from inflation, gas prices through the roof, where you got gas that should be at $2 a gallon and affordable is now going to be 6 to $8 a gallon and unaffordable. And people are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Economically, we are in a recession. It's going to get worse. So we have to change direction. I believe that the mystic cords of memory tie us indelibly and, and irretrievably to, inexorably, front to our roots in the Declaration and the second paragraph that defines us as a free people and as a people that protect the equal rights and justice of the law for all. And I believe we are going to to kick out this woke nonsense, reestablish the rule of law, Mm -hmm. reestablish equal protection of the laws. We have an opportunity society. Everybody's entitled to have a fair shot at it meritocracy needs to govern. If you have the the ability, the brain power and the will, you should have no limit to what you can achieve in this country. That is what freedom allows. That's what a free market allows. And that's what happens when government gets out of the way. Amen. Amen, brother Jonathan E. Mord. And by the way, his book, if you didn't already know about, it's called The Authoritarians. And uh, of course, as he's a put out information that he's uh, looking maybe to run for the U.S. Senate out of Virginia with the Exploratory Committee. We'll have events around the country we'll be announcing, including the one coming up this Saturday at the Health Freedom Expo. Um, there are going to be attacks on Jonathan Emord. There'll be There's a lot of attacks. Also coming up the week after that in Orlando at your oh, friend. Casey Krejci's place. Yeah. So I'm going to get more information. Maybe I can get yes. Get, I want to get that out as well, but I, I just want to acknowledge the authoritarians. If you haven't already gotten, and many of you have, those of you who haven't who have not written a review and put that up on Amazon or elsewhere, please do because there's going to be more attacks on Jonathan and the things that he does and what he says. And we want to, you know, make the world know we know this guy, and you know Jonathan. He's been with me on this show for many years now, every week, 
And I uh, just want to let you know that as as we get closer and closer to a wonderful reality of him running, should we gain enough uh, support, then the attacks will be up even higher than that. So I just want you to be aware that that's part of this endeavor. It doesn't come easily. It's not going to be met with uh, just, oh, welcome. Here's the, the yellow brick road paved with gold. Come on down. Uh, I want to talk more about election integrity in just a moment, but I do want to say thank you to those that make this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty possible two hours a day, six days a week, uh, including here with Jonathan. Our friends, of course, at Trinity School of Natural Health have been amazing in their support of this message. They're all about investing in good, great education that brings freedom, freedom of choice to the people and health and healing that doesn't necessarily involve trying to poison people back to health. Amazing. Acknowledging body, mind, spirit connections. Uh, and that's trinityschool.org, trinityschool.org. And of course, Health Freedom Expo. That's trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. Another uh, great uh, business that I'd love for you to support. And that's the Orange Guard product. It's made a distillate from the orange peel. This is God's natural pesticide. It doesn't poison your pets. It won't poison your kids or you. I've utilized it even in my garden where it's all organic. It's all listed. It's a safe way to address the ants, the roaches, the little pesky things that you don't want without harming your health or the health of your loved ones. And if you take a picture, once you get your orange guard, send it into the show by sending it to superdon, askrsb at gmail.com. We'll add you to this collage and we're going to do a giveaway at the end of the month. That's going to be fun. This is again, innovation through free markets, innovation and cleaning the environment, not by mandating or prohibiting, but by simply putting a product out that's as good or better than anything out there that is safe and non-toxic. Real quick shout out to our friends at Nutritional Frontiers. They'll also be at the Health Freedom Expo. They have offered a discount code for all their wonderful dietary supplement products that don't harm, that help. And we utilize a lot of them here. And you go RSB15 is the discount code. And one more offer. And then, Jonathan, I want to talk about election stuff. Fulvic Minerals this week, our friends at Touchstone Essentials are offering this product, the Fulvic Minerals plus a little bit of the the uh, well, the, you know, it's micronutrient gut support, but even the zeolites that have been tested, third party validated to be clean and free of those heavy metals. Five dollars gets you this, including shipping. You can be in Europe, the UK, the US, Canada, Australia. You can get this for five bucks. No obligation to go further, but my gosh, you'll probably want to stay on it. It's that good. So thank you to them for that offer. Super Don has it out through the show notes, and you can get the newsletter by texting RSB, my initials RSB. To 22828. Thank you, Jonathan, for indulging me. I have to say thanks to those that make this possible. Now, election integrity, very big concern. I brought it up many times over the last couple of years, and it's the thing apparently you're not allowed to talk about. You're, you're banned from social media, from YouTube, for simply discussing very real issues that, hey, when Trump won, the Democrats were crying about election integrity issues. Nobody in the Trump uh, uh, side of things were saying, let's censor them. Let's stop them from talking about it. No, only now. And there's a federal civil rights lawsuit that's been filed over government censoring YouTube content on election integrity. Judicial Watch filed this suit with the uh, California Secretary of State for having YouTube censor a Judicial Watch election integrity video. This is the concern I have, Jonathan. They know how much if they can censor these messages and questions, legitimate questions, that they might be able to sway an election like I believe may have already happened. Well, this is a very good suit, and it proves the point uh, that we've been talking about many times on the show, which is the collusion between government and big tech to achieve an outcome of censorship. 
That is a plain, direct, and profound violation of the First Amendment. And here you have Judicial Watch, which created this whole production that concerned election integrity and uh, was very well done. And nevertheless, you've got this immediate censorship reaction with the Secretary of State in California colluding with YouTube to take this thing down. And they did do that. Uh, they fulfilled the wish of the government of California. And this collusion uh, is just a classic example of censorship. It's, it's the same type of censorship that existed all the way back to the 17th century in England when you would have the, king, the crown uh, going about censoring um, the publication of religious tracts that dissented from the king's demand for a uniform Church of England or uh, uniform uh, religious dogma. And uh, that kind of censorship, John Milton wailed against, uh, and uh, all of our founding fathers were dead set against, and is the reason why the First Amendment was adopted in the first place. So here you have direct content-based political censorship of the worst, most rank kind with people who sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution sitting in elective office as the Secretary of State of California and yet grossly violating that oath, never being made to account for it and causing a consequence, which is an undoubted irreparable injury, which is the denial of someone's right to communicate information uh, on YouTube. Now, they'll, they'll come up with all sorts of ridiculous defenses. But in the end, I certainly hope that the courts will protect the First Amendment and will give Judicial Watch a victory. And I would encourage them uh, to pursue an action under the Civil Rights or under the uh, Access to Equal Justice Act uh, to collect from the California government uh, money uh, for the legal costs associated with pursuing the action, which they're entitled to. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, this is a, this is a real uh, uh, fine example. And this is not the only example. This is one of numerous instances of the collusion and censorship Mm -hmm. that uh, really, it ought to offend every American. Man, it's not just state level California. It's federal stuff. The emails that are coming out through freedom of information. Absolutely. It's overt censorship that is being engaged in by the uh, Biden administration. This is uh, not subtle. Now, from the First Amendment to the Second Amendment, Breitbart is reporting an FBI report that over twice as many were killed with knives and cutting instruments and rifles. And in previous years, it could be three, four, or even five times as many utilizing knives and, and, and cutting instruments to commit heinous acts of murder. And yet I would argue that, you know, the Second Amendment, which doesn't grant you the right of, of, of firearms ownership, because that's a right that comes from God, I believe, that is a right of self-defense. It was acknowledged to be a right, not a privilege. Yet so many have relegated the right to keep and bear arms as a privilege that can be taken away by government based on reinterpretations. But how about all these knife killings? How do you defend yourself against knife if you're not good in a knife fight? You need an ability to defend yourself. And it shows here that knives are more deadly than these so-called rifles that they want to ban. Well, it goes back to the point that, look, to be free, you have to be presumed innocent. And if you engage in a criminal action, then you yourself are appropriately prosecuted. But to deny everyone in your town the right to exercise free agency 
mm-hmm. in pursuit of lawful objectives on the basis that someone in the community abused their liberties and committed a crime yeah. is an outrageous violation of our rights. You know, look, if someone says a defamatory thing that's unlawful, do you then prevent anyone else from speaking? If somebody, you know, uh, uses a gun in your community, do you prevent everybody else from having a right of self-defense? That's what this in, insane dog... No, it treats us about a little bunch of little school kids as opposed to a, a, adults that have uh, an ability to, 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 to differentiate between righteous action and defense and that which is a criminal act. Do you deny... Uh, all of the little girls and young women in a school, the right to use their own bathroom rather than have voyeurism and other people in the bathroom who they don't want. In other words, their, their innocence and their right of privacy mm-hmm. need to be protected. Do you deny them all their rights to privacy and to uh, their, their innocence uh, in order to accommodate one person or two people who say I'm a boy who 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 believes himself to be a girl, or I would like to be a girl, or whatever it is, a, a trans child. Now I'm not saying you take away the right of the trans child to go to the bathroom or anything else. No, uh, you can have a a bathroom that can be used by trans children if you want. Or you're you talking can, about a reasonable accommodation versus violating the rights of so many. You don't. You don't you know, here in Loudoun County, for example, look what happens. I mean, here in Loudoun County, uh, you have a, a father who had a, a girl in high school. She went into the bathroom, a boy who identified himself as trans, who obviously by these actions suggests clearly he was not, but who identified himself as trans, wore a dress, went into the girl's bathroom and then raped this other girl. And the school took the position that if you identify yourself as a tra- trans and you're a boy and you identify yourself as a trans becoming a girl, then you get to use the girl's restroom. Well, there are a whole host of problems, not least of which is a violation of the privacy of the girls who don't feel comfortable with that. But in addition to that, you've got these risks. Now, the number one priority is safety. That's regardless of what your gender is. We don't want heterosexuals beating up or abusing uh, uh, homosexuals or trans people. You know, we don't want anyone injured or threatened. We want all their rights protected, but we also have to be reasonable. We have to be, we have to protect girls' rights to compete in athletics without having more, more uh, stronger males who happen to be calling themselves transsexual or whatever competing against them and winning and beating them every single time, completely ruining the whole concept of girls' athletics. So, I mean, the, the, the change, that the radical change that is taking place in the schools is ruinous to everybody's rights. You've got to recognize the schools shouldn't be sexualizing children. They shouldn't be taking... Uh, kids and and teaching them adult subject matter. They shouldn't be exposing them to pornography. They ought to leave to their parents their upbringing and honor their parents' choices. This pretty is pretty basic. Right. Jonathan, it's so basic. You're like, it's amazing we have to explain this to folks. Uh, honestly, it's I was like... Yeah. yeah, but it's it's frustrating and it's, it's mind-bogglingly yeah. mad. 
mm-hmm. but it's happening. They're they're destroying the nuclear family. That's the whole point. They're making kids victims mm-hmm. and turning them. They're abusing them in yeah. order to pursue this far left agenda. And, and they're alone. Just teach them the reading, writing, and arithmetic. The basics, you know. Parents raise them as to their their genders and as to their desires, their religion. Remember, all these things, you know, it's a godless society they're building inside these schools. They Kids come in with their own religions, whether they're Muslim, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, and they have their own cultural mores and their own views about sexuality. It's inextricably intertwined with people's religions and with their own culture. You must respect the parents and the upbringing of their children and the choices they make for the best interests of their children. When you substitute a godless bureaucracy that mm-hmm. forces a far left agenda on them and is constantly quizzing them about mm-hmm. what is what uh, gender would you like to be today? That's <laughs> Jonathan, you mentioned the destruction of the family. And, and this is like end stage of that. Remember, this began decades and decades ago. The, and part of, again, the, the authoritarians goes into the progressivist agenda. And one of the ways that they've successfully destroyed the nuclear family along the way, along the many decades, is via economically impoverishing the family to the point where you no longer have the capacity in most families to have one parent stay home and raise the children, maybe even homeschool them, because of the cost of what? Government. The growing cost of government as it grew and grew and grew. And this also relates to the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, when they could debase the currency and inflate the currency, making it harder and harder to keep up with the cost of goods because of the increased amount of paper that is just thrown out, not limited or constrained by anything like gold or silver as initially intended. And now we have this bozo, economic bozo, Ben Bernanke. We just learned that he has won the Nobel Economics Prize of 2022. What are these? These are self-congratulatory economic buffoons who argue that inflating the money supply is good for people when it only impoverishes those that can least afford the inflation inflated costs of goods and services, while the super wealthy that touch the money first because they're connected politically, et cetera, get the money at whatever full value it has by the time it gets to everybody else. And that includes the middle class, upper middle class. That it, again, it impoverishes more and more people, and so fewer people are able to stay at home. At least one family member, which does, it hasn't happened in a long time, and that again is part of and parcel to the destruction of the family that has been ongoing for decades. Not just with the agendas you've also revealed in more recent times. So the Nobel Committee can pick whoever they want to have whatever award they wish to give them. I mean, that's uh, their thing, but. Uh, without question, I mean, you and I, Robert, share the same view. Why is Ben Bernanke getting a Nobel Prize? Do they have any objective standard? I mean, no, they gave it to Obama for doing nothing. Right. <laughs> Remember? And yeah, and you'd like to think that they 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 had some objective standard. The problem with proceeding without a clear standard that everyone can say, "Oh yeah, you know, I agree that that person met that academic achievement," or or was the most discovery of some kind. No one would say that Albert Einstein was not deserving of a Nobel prize. The the point is uh, that, or Watson and Crick or other people who discovered extraordinary things, but, but to take these figures that are uh, highly controversial and, 
you know, have no uh, clear claim to this and, and just struggle with language to try to say that they are something exceptional, it really impoverishes the quality and reliability and trust that people place in the Nobel uh, committee and yeah. in its choices. So well, this means is that it's more pedestrian. It means oh, it's political. Yeah. It means it's something that we can't really respect because when we ask yeah. ourselves, what is it that Ben Bernanke has done that justifies the view that he is the most exceptional mm-hmm. economist in the world? What is yeah. it? Uh, we fall down. I mean, we say, well, you know, really, he isn't. Look at look at what he did over the course of his time at the head of the Fed. He introduced quantitative easing, zero percent interest rates. So you had malinvestment, right, uh, chasing easy money, and now it is greatly contributed to what we're witnessing now in a, a, right. a borderline hyperinflationary spiral of the money supply by you know just pumping, pumping, and that that's a legacy that we want to reward. That's why I, I mean, think the Nobel Prize doesn't mean much except, you know, it's self-congratulatory for globalists who right. are hell-bent on destroying and enslaving the population of the planet. I mean, we, we all, you and I admire Ron Paul. We admire his achievements in economics uh, and his political drive to make the Fed accountable and so on. I mean, we admire that. But we wouldn't say, oh, he meets a certain uh, standard for economics uh, that we would objectively set justifying him receiving a Nobel Prize. I'd love it if Ron Paul received the Nobel Prize for my own satisfaction. I love the man, but mm-hmm. I think even he would say, no, you know, that's not a fair uh, 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 standard to set to choose someone who, based on their political actions, you agree with right. as the reason for giving them uh, a recognition that the, it's a fraud, right? Because the overt standard for the Nobel Prize that that most people think is the most exceptional academic uh, or achievement in the world in a particular category. Mm -hmm. But when instead you bend it and you say, okay, let's give it to Obama or let's give it to to Ben Bernanke, Bernanke, you get this, you, you diminish its value. And while I think, you know, you and I both think that Ron Paul is one of the greatest uh, 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 you modern know, day statesman, uh, you know, in our in, history, you know. in the history of our country and the world, yeah. uh, we would not say, you know, if that were the category greatest yeah. statesman in the world, we might well sure. say, oh yeah, that's you know Ron Paul. I, I think it's been a globalist politicking yeah. award, you know, to basically you're in the club, you did yeah. something, even if you did nothing, we just want to say good for you. You're 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 I really. Uh, didn't they give the award to that that girl from uh, Norway who was uh, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think oh that yes yeah, right the outraged uh, young environmentalist yes. yeah, yeah how dare you I mean, she may yeah. have gotten it as well but if I mean not, they, it would certainly be one that they would appropriately consider under this now you know political system for selection yeah and of course like I said it, it's not our control over the Nobel Prize but acknowledging that they gave it to Bernanke tells you how not important that is in terms of really rewarding something that was, you could argue in history might've had, Hey, you know, some of these folks like they deserve to be awarded something pretty cool for what they did. But nowadays, the Guinness book of world records uh, gave you a recognition as the greatest, uh, uh, you know, person in, in a particular category, not because you had achieved something extraordinary in that category, but rather because, uh, they happen to like uh, your parentage or your political contribution mm-hmm. or 
some other esoteric, unreliable right. factor. So yeah, it's it's not if if they want to destroy their the public reliance on them as a source, then mm-hmm. they're doing that very effectively. Yeah. All right, we got a few minutes here still before we wrap up uh, the first hour of the Robert Scott Bell Show. It's the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition with Jonathan E. Mord. Upcoming events are always listed in the Upcoming Events tab. This very weekend, we're going to be in Chicago, Tinley Park Convention Center. Uh, Jonathan's going to be opening the Health Freedom Expo with another amazing presentation. Dan Burton and others will be there. By the way, I was trying to connect you with David Martin. He's also in Virginia. Did you get to talk with Dr. David Martin yet? I didn't talk to Dr. David Martin, but I need to. Um, Yeah. He'll be there with us, so we'll connect you at this event. Yeah, Yeah, this weekend. And also, I want to shout out to G. Edward Griffin, author of Creature from Jekyll Island. He is going to be hosting the Red Pill Expo November 12th and 13th in Salt Lake City at the Salt Palace Convention Center. He's asked me once again to emcee the event and speak at it. And uh, David Martin will be there as well as others and talk about the concept of red pilling. It's the idea that you would uh, introduce information like, for instance, your book, The Authoritarians, Jonathan, technically red-pilled a lot of people about a history they didn't know, which means you gave them the option to see through the propaganda and the lies of the deceptions of history to say, here's what really happened. Here's all the historical facts and documents that back it up. And that's the concept of red-pilling, waking someone up to say, my gosh, you believe this your whole life, but it turns out that was or those were lies. Those were deceptions. Maybe it was a subtle thing. Maybe it was a very big overt thing. But the opportunity even to come together like we do at the Health Freedom Expo allows people to learn things they either never learned or they learned the opposite and had no idea how wrong it was. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating and fantastic uh, program. Uh, And I hope I wish them well. And, gee, you know, I'd like to be a part of that program somehow. But. Yeah, if I can connect you with uh, G. Edward Griffin, you know I will. I, I was thinking about the timing of maybe doing something in Utah uh, for the Exploratory Committee. There's just I've been traveling so much, I got to be home long enough to connect and make. But I've, I've got some things going, so we'll, we'll see what we can have um, or make happen uh, for. The As camp. they say, Robert, if you build it, I will come. I know, I know. It'll be great. It'll be so much fun. And so as more events come up, I know, Jonathan, you and your team will let me know so we can let our audience know because we've got them all over the place. And for those of you who can't make it uh, to the event, there's uh, eMord for, what was it? What was the uh, website again? eMordforVA.com. Right, eMord for VA. So VA being Virginia, eMord, F-O-R-V-A dot com. And so if you'd like to contribute from afar even. And last week, I think we did something where maybe that was the first uh, live listener that uh, contributed, got a very special pen. I don't even know who won that, but uh, just excited to learn about all the folks that want to see you run for the U.S. Senate out of Virginia. Well, help me do it. If you can contribute, do. And it makes a world of difference. If we raise a million dollars in support of the campaign by the end of March, we'll be going. And I should tell you, We've only had that announcement out for now. I think we're in the third week. We already have $172,000 in the kitty. Whoa. Uh, that is an achievement. Oh, my gosh. We're, if we keep at this pace, and I hope we will, but it's really going to depend on everybody contributing. Mm-hmm. But if everybody contributes, I don't care what it is, 25 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. I know it's hard these days. But contribute, it makes a huge difference because every dollar is getting us closer to that goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we hit that goal, then I will. You will declare. Yeah. And then yes. look out. Look out, 
Tim Kaine, you're done. <laughs> you're toast. And Virginia is going to be better off. And I think the whole country will be better off to have you in the U.S. Senate. And that's why, I, obviously, I'm all in. Anything I can do to help, you know, I want to be there for you uh, to support you in that endeavor. And, you know, as I mentioned before, and if you're new to the show or if you hadn't heard before, Jonathan and I talked at length because we've been friends for so long. And, you know, my concern for you and your family is very sincere and real knowing what it takes to do this, uh, to make sure you had all of those things considered. And in fact, you did, because if you didn't, I was, I would say, Jonathan, don't do it. And I would tell the audience, no, 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 don't do it. Cause he's not ready. He's not, no, you've considered it all. And I was like, well, well you've Robert, checked every box. Yeah. Uh, you're brilliant. You are a very loyal and trusted friend of mine for so many years, Robert. Uh, I mean, you know, I would do anything for you and vice versa. I know that, but I, I just greatly value your advice. So before I undertook this, I wanted to check in with you and see if I was missing anything. And we did discuss a number of things. We went through a lot of lists. Yeah. And I, I was duly not surprised, but duly impressed that everything I brought up you also had considered and were considering. And that was to me, the sobering aspect of, I know you're not naive. I'm not naive about these things, but at the same time, it's more like, gosh, when you really consider doing what you're talking about, oh man, there's a lot I've witnessed in this lifetime. Of- it is a major sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, um, you know, if you love your country as strongly as we do, Robert, I mean, mm-hmm. we've been doing the best we can to try to help stop what is just a disaster for our whole country not only economically, politically, but really mm-hmm. uh, the future of freedom. This is a, I mean, we are we are at a point where if we don't dramatically change direction, we are going to fall into this abyss of socialism. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about future generations, our kids. I think about our kids in that scenario. Yeah. To go into that. We don't want your kids to go through that. We don't want anyone to have to go through this. Uh, and so it's at the point where, you know, I could sit back and and wait, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, I just don't want to hit bottom. I want to move no. up and out. And if I can do something to do that, I mean, I've been yeah. telling you, here's part of the problem. I've been going around the country for over a year telling people they have to get involved in politics and make a difference at the school board level. Localist level, yes. I've been supporting members of Congress. I've been pushing for them fighting for one when they are actually good people who are going to change back to freedom. Uh, and so, uh, you know, over and over again, I've been asked wherever I've spoken on these issues, mm-hmm. Hey, why aren't you, you're preaching that we ought to get involved and do something. And that's the only way to save the country. Well, you know, what, what about you? Hey bud, what about you? <laughs> so, I mean, I wrote the book. Yeah. I did everything. I could have been appearing on radio and television over and over and over again. Yeah arguing these points and trying to persuade and i'm i'm sure it has some effect i'm sure it's working but in the end things are happening too doggone fast yeah because- on, so it fast track to socialism and so you got to jump in you're I mean, willing to stand in the gap jonathan and god bless you for doing so and we're here with you now uh, we're about to wrap up our first hour here heading to the health freedom expo afterwards and I uh, can't wait to see you and so many. Just want to let everybody know the second hour of the show, I have a nurse that I've talked with from the U.S. Health Freedom Congress, have never aired this interview. 
about her attempts at establishing the vaccine adverse uh, reporting system, but for medical and health professionals to make it easier and make it more validated. That's a very worthwhile cause. And then my good friend, naturopath and homeopath, Neil Schultz, talking about some of the adverse effects of what's happened in COVID with COVID jabs and what he is seeing and working with other healthcare providers to remedy. So we've got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Jonathan Emort, see you in just a couple of days at the Health Freedom Expo. See you there, Robert. And remember, it's God's honest truth. The power to heal is yours. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right. Yeah, you know this is the Robert Scott Bell Show because you're watching it, a lot of you. Later, some of you are hearing it as a podcast. Uh, this is a, a, a story I wanted to tell from the weekend I spent at the U.S. Health Freedom Congress in Minneapolis, Minnesota, just outside of the Hilton, uh, with Diane Miller and the crew putting together an amazing event, Julie Boros and others. And I'm so grateful for uh, everyone that has uh, brought us together. And, you know, I, I love meeting new folks and learning about their stories. And there was one particular moment in the Congress where I was participating in kind of a, a conversation they tried to do where we, Ty Bollinger and me and Charlene Bollinger and Stephanie Lucrezia were in the center of this huge circle and we were facing each other. It was a very strange setup, but we tried and eventually we turned around and talked to everybody. But it was a conversation about, you know, changing, uh, I guess, perspectives. You know, how do we reach people? communication issues and you know as i've as i want to do from times i'll i'll use pointed humor in my uh, discussions and i try to point out absurdities and i try to point out truths that maybe some might consider hurtful but in a, in a way that causes you to look at it differently and hopefully you laugh a little bit and one of those things y'all have heard me say about medical degrees right the concept of having a degree but i'm not being impre- i'm not being overly respectful it's like it's not but at the same time those that have them can look and go yeah i, I get the joke it's kind of funny there are a lot of people in the medical profession the nursing profession as well right now over the course of the last two and a half three years you know the covid crazy we've been through are waking up to view something within their own profession that is quite disturbing if not horrific and uh resulting in 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 I, I would say some some degree guilt for those that are awake and have a conscience and a heart and others, you know, looking, how do I get past this? And, you know, for me, the, the F word is used here, not the one you're thinking of, forgiveness. And at that point, Ashley, you know, chimed in and she's with me now, Ashley Grog. She's a, a nurse, MSNRN. What does MSN stand for? Oh, good Lord. Put your, put your headset on. Silly me. I didn't even tell you to do that. That's how out of touch I am at this moment. Go ahead and put that on and we're good to go. Go ahead. I think it's good. Yes, Ashley. So um, MSN, master's. Master's in science of nursing. Science of nursing. So Mm -hmm. you're very into uh, the science, which I love. Yeah. You're invested in the intellect and in the intellectual pursuit of, I would say, truth or facts. That's science. And, you know, my concern, of course, someone as smart as you that has gone through all the schooling to do what you do is like, did I offend you in that moment as we go join our story in progress? Yeah, no, I wasn't offended because it's totally true. Mm-hmm. Like you can be super smart and have all the degrees and have zero common sense. And so it, it is humorous, but in mm-hmm. the constant context mm-hmm. of the conversation, it was difficult because I have experienced a lot of mm-hmm. 
even the people in my organization, the people that are under my leadership, whether they realize I'm a nurse or not, talk very negatively about my profession. And that mm. is difficult yeah. because we didn't go through all the schooling and all the things because we thought, you know, it'd be fun to chart, right? <laughs> Um, yeah. We did it because we love people. And I feel like there's this big misconception and the medical professionals are not being given the opportunity. Some of them are willfully ignorant, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Some of them have very severe cognitive dissonance, but there are many out there where it's so painful. You have to go through a lot of hoops to get to this point. And mm -hmm. so we kind of talked a little bit about my story earlier and but what that looks like. We need like. to hear that from the audience that doesn't know it yet. And yeah. By the way, I want to acknowledge, and you all know this from being with me for a long time, um, when we talk about the things that have gone wrong in medicine and, and the monopoly, it isn't about bashing individuals or, or looping all doctors and nurses into one lump. They're all bad. This has never been about that. It's a recognition. I, I call for compassion in sense because there's a trap. You know, you go into it, most people for the right reasons, and you end up trapped in a system that my dear departed Uncle Bob, who was a medical doctor, warned me about when I was just barely a teenager, you know, cause he knew I wanted to be a doctor. He, it's like all, it was like ever since I was little, this is what I wanted to do. Cause I was into healing and I was suffering with ailments all my life too. And he told me, called me little Scotty when my middle name was, was and it was uncle Bob, dear, my dear beloved uncle Bob. He said, don't go into medicine. You don't want to be a doctor. I'm like, uncle Bob, you're a doctor. What are you talking about? That's the craziest thing ever. It's like, Uncle Dr. Bob, don't be it. Yeah. And and so I didn't understand it at the time. Yeah. But he, just to bri briefly finale this, and I think you'll appreciate it. He says, you go, you into that. It's a miserable scenario. And I see misery for you. And I, again, I didn't understand. He sort of in intimated that the, the red tape, the bureaucracy, the government involvement and intrusion, kind of like the charting thing you said, it is so bad. And this was when it wasn't bad relative to today. He saw where it was going. What year was this? Uh, this was in the early eighties. Yeah. He told me this, what yeah. was coming just so you know, perspective wise. Yeah. And when I was 19 at Emory university in Atlanta, I realized what he was saying. And I was in pre-med at that time. And I said, oh, my gosh, if I have to do what doctors have done to me for my entire 19 years of existence, I will be miserable. And and it wasn't a hate that doctors. It was just there was something horrible and Your missing. Your heart is not yeah. cut out for that. No. Because you no. have to be, to a certain extent, you have to be. I'm going to say this the wrong way, but I'm going to okay. say it anyways. Okay. You have to succumb to the indoctrination in the sense that you become very clinical and I can separate my emotions mm -hmm. and, and I delineate, okay, I have this, I have this mission that I have to accomplish and that's keeping you alive. Mm -hmm. And if I start to get emotional, my thought processes are not as clear as what they need to them to be. And yeah. so, you know, in my personal life, my friends know that when stuff starts going south, they want me by their side because I can totally shut that off mm -hmm. and I go clinical Yeah, and I'm like, okay, bam, 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 here we go. This is what we're going to do. This is our plan. We're going to march. And you can triage like nobody's business. I can. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have to be able to compartmentalize and to separate that out because if you mm -hmm. don't, you will be eaten alive mm -hmm. and crying in a corner as somebody's dying and you can't do that. You, you like, can't function at that point. You're right. No. And and you never know sometimes people that are not in trained in the medical or nursing profession, if you have it and you'd even do that until a crisis happens. And some people just snap into it, even if they have no training, others become a puddle of, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm frozen in that. Yeah. Yet at the same time, what you bring up is rather interesting in terms of our human experience.
because it's very normal and natural to have emotions. And I, I can tell you are a very emotional human being. <laughs> but I know how to shut it off. <laughs> but you know how to, again, yeah, for it to get the job done. And that's an important part of, of what you do. Yet at, at some point, there is a lack of human compassion. And that's not what we're talking about here. But that has emerged, if you will, in the entire business model of medicine that some people have identified not because the doctors are evil or bad or the nurses are evil or bad, but the system itself perpetuates that for their own aims. The individual is not the industry. Yeah. And that's, that's what I said the other day. The individual is not the industry. And I don't think it's because they lost their humanity. It's because they've become so accustomed to, I know that if I give this patient, this pharmaceutical, I can expect these results. Mm -hmm. If the results are not what I expected, then I know that I can add this or this or increase the dosage or do these things. And Mm -hmm. the desired outcome will eventually come about. Their hearts are amazing. And I love my doctors and I defend them, not because they're all perfect, because they're not. They're no, not. It's, they're humans, right? Yeah. All humans, but, yeah. yeah. And I would get into arguments. I'll go to toe-to-toe with a doctor and defend my patient because sometimes it's easy to get in that clinical headspace and, mm-hmm. and shut it off. And I try to balance that, especially in practice. I, I am here to help you as a patient. If you were my patient, I want to find out your goals of care. I want to find out what's important for you mm-hmm. and what your belief systems are and what your past experiences are. You know, if your grandma was, you know, she died on the table and mm-hmm. for surgery or whatever, I would not want to force you into a surgery that would cause you so much distress that you would have other problems. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd try to find some other alternatives. And that goes into the whole risk benefit analysis and looking at what's appropriate and what's not for the individual. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's let's journey down that road a little further, because the dilemma that comes up that's rearing its ugly head right now in medicine is that nurses and some doctors are waking up and saying, my gosh, the protocols that they've been sending on down from up high to do to these people is not like what you're describing. It is like a one size fits all killing field with drugs that are clearly devastatingly dangerous to the kidneys like remdesivir events that people don't really recover from and there are those of you who have looked at what's going on and said my gosh this is not what i signed up to do this is not what i know is the right thing to do many have kept their heads down quietly just to keep their jobs many have been coerced and forced into getting jabs that they know are harmful or lost their jobs when they said i don't want this because i think it's dangerous for any number of reasons i assess this And then there are other nurses, again, I'm not throwing nurses under the bus, that are not speaking back to the doctors because the intimidation, the power plays are so vicious right now that they are afraid they will lose their jobs immediately. And so there's some human elements to this and livelihood, keeping the lights on, keeping your your, your family fed. At the same time, people are dying right before you know you could do better, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And courage. I mean, just having the fortitude to say, this is not right. I will not participate. And it's been a process over probably the past 15 years. Nurses are asked all the time to put their license on the line. With the this, this staffing crisis has been around for 15, a long 20 time, yeah. years. Right. I hate to break it to you, but that's been it's a thing. And, and they tell you, you're going to take an extra patient. I remember as a floor nurse, and this was, you know, six, seven, maybe even 10 years ago, I was a night shift nurse and we were, we were losing a a nurse at 11 o'clock. And so we were going to bump up to seven patients each. Mm -hmm. 
that's hard to mm. care for. If you divide your hour by seven, you got less than 10 minutes per patient. Wow. And there was this new nurse just off orientation. And I saw the fear and anxiety in her eyes. And I was like, you're not taking seven patients. I took eight. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Wow. But I couldn't let her risk her brand new license. She didn't know what she's doing. Six patients was going to be too much for her. But we're, we're put in these impossible situations and nobody is there to defend. The mm-hmm. nurses have been beaten down so much and not everybody has the fortitude to just be sure. like, Hey, listen, this is not okay. How, yeah. And, and the, you know, the weakness is not, not, not always one of character, but it's like you talk about being beaten down into a system where you, you got nothing left just to survive the day and get through it and do the best you can. Uh, and uh, look, I'm not excusing any bad behavior that exists. We acknowledge that exists too. It does. But we're also acknowledging the humanity of a situation that is almost, you know, it's like almost a no-win situation right now. And you're coming out of this too, uh, awakening to over the course of, I don't know how long back, you say, my gosh, the vaccine issue. Good Lord, I, you know, I've done things that now I look back, I'm like, I had no idea, Yeah. right? Yeah. So my story begins with our second child. She was about 12 months old. She was, all my kids were fully vaccinated. My husband at one point looked at me and said, what if they put something in vaccines for population control? And I laughed at him. I was like, they would never do that. That's so unethical. And, you know, now I'm looking at things like, oh gosh, honey, I'm so sorry. He was, Um, he was aware of it a little before you. No, he was, this was when I was pregnant with our first. Okay. And so what made him say that? I don't know. And we've Mm -hmm. had that conversation to try to dissect that, but he says crazy things all the time. (laughs) He's your husband, your crazy husband. Is that what you're saying? He's crazy, but he has to be to be married. (laughs) Right. Okay. So yeah, you should talk to him sometime. Yeah. Maybe we'll Um, get him on. Oh, by the way, I haven't mentioned this when we brought Ashley Grog onto the show. She's got Hoosiers for Medical Liberty as a group. And we have that linked up in the show notes today, robertscottbell.com. And also she's engaged in something called the VAERS Project. You know, we've talked about vaccine adverse event reporting system. And so in the time we have together, I definitely want to mention both of those things too while we're getting your backstory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll try to make this as condensed as possible. Um, So our second was about a year old. She got pneumonia. She was hospitalized. She had IV antibiotics. She was on respiratory treatments. We went to a follow-up appointment about three days later, which had already been scheduled as one of her well visits. Mm-hmm. And I went into the appointment. The doctor went over all the things, continue with the breathing treatments, finish her antibiotics, yada, yada, yada. Oh, and we're going to do X, Y, and Z vaccines. And in the 15 minutes I got on vaccines and nursing school, I remember them saying that we don't want to vaccinate 15 minutes for mm-hmm. real. Um, we don't want to vaccinate children who are ill because their bodies are not likely to develop appropriate Ex- antibodies. Yeah. And so I remembered that. And I said that to this doctor and he got in my face and started yelling at me. I'm not the type of person you want to get in my face. Um, mm-hmm. a little feisty. No, I can't tell. Mm-hmm. I don't no, know. I'm very mild mannered person, really. Yeah. Um, patient, kind, loving, um, mm-hmm. all the things, but got in my face and started yelling. And I took it for a minute, like thinking that he would calm down and he just kept going and getting closer and his finger was wow. in my face. And, um, I just picked my daughter and walked out. And as I was walking through the office, people were staring at me because they could hear him yelling at me. Wow. He and went unhinged. He lost his yeah. mind. Um, yeah. and so that week I went back to work and was talking with a coworker that I trusted because I like to do the right thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm very anal retentive. Like I need the facts. I know mm-hmm. that's a shock. Um, I need the facts and I need to make the best decision possible. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking with a coworker trying to deduce, you know, what I had done wrong. And little did I know an infectious disease physician had walked up behind me. And this particular infectious disease is not somebody you want to mess with. 
um, this doctor will tear you apart for the littlest thing and mm. have fun, smile on their face wow, while yeah. they do it. So I was expecting to lose my job. And instead, they grabbed a chart, tucked it under their arm, looked me directly in the eyes and said, I, for one, think it's asinine. We give happy on the first day of life. He said that to you. Yeah, yeah, they did. And and then they walked away. Finally. I hear that. You never hear that. And I was like, I, I'm not speechless. Really. Yeah. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> In that moment. But that was, was a different doctor. Yes. This. Yeah. I was yeah. at work. Okay. I was on the clock. I'm, yeah. I'm standing at the desk. And he just comes out and says that to you. And this doctor, infectious was he, disease. Was infectious. he aware of that other interaction you had, do you he, think? They had to have heard it. Okay. Because I thought I was going to lose my job. Like my friend and I were losing our minds thinking we're going to get called down to HR for being, you know, anti-vaxxers. And this is. Was that a a wake up moment that. That that was the wake up moment. That was it. Because I'm like, why is this doctor who's infectious disease? So they're managing these patients with these, you know, vaccine preventable illnesses. And so they say this to me. And so. I was in school working on my bachelor's on my way to my master's at that point. And I just started researching and I did not sleep for six months. And I was beside myself because I was pregnant with our third at the time. Uh So they're 18 months apart. And so I went on this journey of pain and sorrow and trying to come to terms with what I was reading because Mm -hmm. you have to understand that vaccines are the safest, most effective things. And they are like legitimately God's gift to people. Right? That's how they show them. They are. Right? Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> you're now confronted with a, a high level infectious disease doctor that suddenly calls one into question, which means by the new definition anyway of anti-vaxxer. Oh, you, you question even one? Oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. Now, that, of course, term is not really a, a, a legitimate term. It's a, it's a term to denigrate and to shut down any discussion. Mm-hmm. You want to call somebody a name as opposed to going, Okay, is it reasonable? I'm to science. Well, yeah. Is it reasonable to uh, think that hmm, giving a, a vaccine within the first two days of life, much less first six months, when the immune system is so mature you can't even produce an antibody, that you're trying to elicit an antibody response from an injection? That doesn't with, exist. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like I've always asked that. That's why I'm in, when I make fun like a degree, I say – I'm with you on that phrase. It right. was just the context. I like, know. And, and, and it, the point is those things where I am embarrassed – for doctors mm-hmm. yeah, or nurses, if they believe, or PhDs. I'm like, dude, I'm not a PhD. I'm not an MD. I don't claim to be, but I've done a lot of research. I've read peer-reviewed medical literature. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. And, and you know, I read Immunology 101, and you're going to go, that makes no sense. And how is that institutionalized? Yeah. And so, yeah, you're confronting with something now as someone who likes science and really, you know, engaged in it going, that's just wrong. Yeah. And I, it wasn't just hep B. I read that first study and I'm like, five days? Are you kidding me? And mm-hmm. so then you start like going through and picking things apart and noticing the magic math, like mm-hmm. like the magic math. How deep math. does the uh, rabbit hole go? It, yeah. And that's why I didn't sleep for six months because I was constantly wow. reading and just mm-hmm. absorbing as much as I could and trying to fit these pieces together. Mm-hmm. And you come to this point and this is why this is, why this is so important to me mm-hmm. is because we have to have we have to hold that door open. That's what I said. I think yesterday we have to hold that door open with love and grace for them to walk through it because not only are we forcing them to confront the greatest gift to medicine vaccines. <laughs> okay. So there's that paradigm shift. Right. Then there is the fact that, Oh crud. I, so I'm, I worked in heart failure. I worked cardiac my entire career, um, worked in advanced heart failure towards the end, but mm-hmm. you know, these patients are sick. Yeah. I mean, 
there were nights that I'm transfusing blood. I had active MIs, like all the things, right? Mm -hmm. These are sick, sick people. And most of the time at, at that point, they were quite elderly and they're having these acute exacerbations of illness where their immune system is down. You know, they're just trying to recover. And then I'm injecting them with poison. Which you already had learned something was wrong about injecting a child who is sick or on an antibiotic, you know, so applying that logic, of yeah. course, you, you, you maintain that logic. Well, and-, and I looked at the flu vaccine. What benefit does the flu vaccine have? Mm-hmm. You ever read the Cochrane collaboration on flu shot? I mean, that really opened it up yeah. uh, for not just me saying it. It was like, okay, look at this group, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. We had our suspicions and doubts about it. So this was a major awakening. And this was before COVID for oh, you. So, this was yeah. 10 years ago, right? nine, 10 years ago. So I imagine going through COVID, and I apologize. I know how we're going to have to race through this just to get out so we can eat dinner uh, for the time we're doing this. But um, you must have... Maybe seen it early on that there was something wrong with COVID or did, did. Oh yeah. I mean, so when we never isolated, actually we had just come out of isolation because my youngest, and I think this is important, Mm -hmm. 24 weeker. And, and part of the reason I, I did the research twice because when she was born, I wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision for this new child because it is a complete, you do the risk benefit analysis every time. Mm -hmm. And with that, I was even more convicted. And I had a conversation with a physician. He comes in and he goes, now, you know, that vaccines don't cause autism. Right. And I was, I was sitting there trying to remain composed. My child is on my chest, you know, we're doing kangaroo care. And I say, let's not talk about autism in my nicest voice possible. Mm -hmm. I said, let's talk about reintubation. Let's talk about increased apnea and bradycardia where the heart rate and Mm -hmm. the respiratory rate slow down. I said, let's talk about cytokine storms. And he looks at me dumbfounded, degree. You nailed him. Degree. Yeah, yeah. And leans back and his head cocked, like legitimately, like you know how dogs cock their head to mm-hmm. the side? He does that and he goes, hmm, we do see exceptionally strong immune responses with Penticill. Well, you need to give, bup, 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 and out the door he went. He recognized, he recognized in that conversation Hmm. that there was an issue. And rather than continuing on down that path with me and somebody who was very kind and approachable, who had science, who had facts, I had like probably six studies in my bag waiting for him Mm -hmm. because I was going to nail him with the science because that's fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm not a nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, come on. You can admit it here. Yeah, I'm a nerd. We're both Um, nerds. Yeah. So I was going to nail him with these studies Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the things with with micropremies, these babies that have no immune systems. And she was getting breast milk. Uh, I mean, all the things, you know, and Mm -hmm. those things prevent them from Mm -hmm. having benefits. So he is giving children a vaccine that has high risk, low benefit. That makes zero sense. And he recognized it. Mm-hmm. So that's why the VARES project is so important to me. Okay. So, yeah, let's go into that. And how do people find the VARES project? Yeah, VARESproject.com. Okay. Easy. V-A-E-R-S project.com. No connection with VARES or any government entity. Want to okay. make that disclaimer right out front. Mm-hmm. The VARES project is my solution to opening up these conversations to educating people. Because even in my circle of influence, when I did preliminary research on this, the nurses in my sphere of influence who claim to know about VAERS 
don't. don't yeah. They don't know even where to go to make a report. They don't know about, you know, requirements and stuff like that. And I don't want to say too much because I want all the healthcare professionals out there to please go to the website. Mm-hmm. There's a pretest um, that you can take and it just is going to help give us more data on, on what's happening. It's also going to help us determine how effective the educational portion of this is because mm-hmm. I developed a whole um, educational unit. It's not um, certified for contact hours yet, but that is on the next steps um, of the project. Yeah. But I wanted to get this out as soon as possible. And this conference was the perfect, perfect place to disseminate this. Just so if I were to say to my audience here, uh, if you know of a doctor or a nurse, somebody in the allopathic profession, licensed profession, uh, we, we, it's hard to explain VARES. They've got a lot of information that may not be accurate about it. They might try to dismiss you. How about sending the VARES project to them.com? How yeah. about that? Would yep. you think that would be a better entry point for them? And there's even stuff that you can share and print off on there. Mm-hmm. It's spread the word and yeah. it has some downloadable things and mm-hmm. you can take and just show them. And it's a conversation starter. It's an easy entryway. Hey, okay. did you know about this? Because it's facts from our research. And mm-hmm. so then they can download the PDF. Everything is freely available. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a resource guide to how to make a report. There's how to educate your patients. Mm-hmm. There's a resource page, um, a patient resource sheet where you can write down the confirmation number for the VAERS report. So Excellent. I try to do everything in my power. And my master's is in nursing education. So mm-hmm. teaching is kind of my jam. Yeah, I like what um, you're doing. Yeah, I love, yeah. I just love helping people and teaching them is the I best can way to tell. do that. Uh, look, so. you are a sweetheart. You're super smart. I know that. And I appreciate that you took what I said and the way it was intended as well. But I saw your emotions come out. And as I said, forgiveness is is so important right now more than ever. Uh, Forgive yourself if you're a healthcare provider and you you look back and say, remember, you you can only know what you know when you know it. And if you didn't know it, don't kill yourself. Don't beat yourself up over it. Move forward from now and say, you know, I didn't know. Now I know I will do better. You know better, you will do better. And yet there are things that you're doing that are extraordinary to help make up, I think, in some ways for the things you didn't know. You're like, I'm not sitting on it. I'm going to. And if you're struggling with those feelings, come help me be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. I I need help. I I am one person and I have four kids and we homeschool. And so things are crazy. And I would love to have some people help me spread the word. The other aspect that I want to touch on just briefly Mm -hmm. is with. So you go through this phase of, uh, you know, what I know is wrong. um, The guilt that comes with it. And then the fact that you question everything else. And we heard that in there from other nurses, you start questioning everything else you've done. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it really difficult to continue in your your profession because you don't want to hurt anybody else. And so how do you justify that? So these guys really need our love and support and encouragement. Of course, there are going to be some people that are nasty and don't worry about them. Like seriously, like move on. There are other people that deserve your attention that are ready. That are going to benefit from it and you Mm -hmm. can love on. And that's what this is all about. Beautiful. There's project dot com and we'll have that linked up in the website show notes at robertscottbell.com remember you can always sign up for our newsletter which includes the things each day uh, by texting rsb to 22828 rsb to 22828 and or you just come on over robertscottbell.com uh, who's yours for medical or two questions before we wrap okay. up and then we get to go eat dinner for, on this day that we're, we're doing this <laughs> uh, your husband's last name is grog yes is that like something you drink yeah. Grog? German beer. It is, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So that's the origin of his name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And the next thing, what is a Hoosier? It's a person from Indiana. If you look it up online, it'll tell you this that's crazy, all it is. stupid story about yeah. how somebody said it once and it stuck and it's just weird. Because it was related to what? The uh, Indiana University's nickname? Yeah, but that's how they got it. Like somebody just said like, uh, there's multiple You're theories. You're from Indiana. You're a Hoosier. Okay. Well, thanks for not clearing that up. 
You're welcome. <laughs> I, I do my best. <laughs> oh, well, you're a sweetheart. You're absolutely wonderful. And I love connecting with you. I hope I'm we can talk more you. as this project evolves too. You yes, can let please. me know, stay in touch and uh, y'all share bearsproject.com. Maybe you want to help out. Ashley, she's doing amazing work. So thank you for being here. And uh, for lack of a better thing to say, the power to heal is yours. Welcome back. Special interview here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, recorded at the Your Health Freedom Utah event. My good buddy, Neil Schultz, who is a board-certified uh, naturopath as well as a homeopath, cease therapy, works with uh, homeoprophylaxis. He knows our good buddy, our good friend, Cilla Watcott, trained with her right. as well. And uh, we just have a great time together anytime we get together. And uh, God bless you, my friend, for getting us hooked up with tickets to go see Kansas. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome, wasn't it? That was an amazing thing. It was a and, great night. And we had talked about it from the time you brought it up to me months ago. Said, hey, did you see Kansas is coming? I think that was you that said that, if I'm not mistaken. Or did I bring it up to you? You brought up Kansas, this, but I was looking at something else. Okay. And, and I was out of town then. But, okay. hey, we scored on Kansas. That's right. And so the day comes, the Kansas a concert is there. I had already written it off. I was like, could it be great? It would be great. Could I think, bring the kids? Because my kids really wanted to go. I Particularly my daughter. I didn't even think my son would, would want to go. And then I said to him, do you want to go? Do you want to go? So we're on the phone. He's already there at the venue trying to score a ticket. And then I'm saying, could you get three? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know. I don't know. And then as we're on the phone, somebody had two other, and you got it. And uh, we just hit the car immediately and barely made it in time for the concert and just my kids had the blast of the of the century, and I even tweeted it out about the concert, how wonderful it was. And Kansas, their official Twitter account, retweeted my tweet. Nice. Yeah, that was kind nice. of fun. So, again, I just wanted to share with you some of the, the, the heartwarming things you can have when you make good friends and the adventures you can have together beyond all of the seriousness of the things we're going to discuss. And we always yeah. get together and talk about uh, as healthcare people, as uh, holistic people, and those that recognize and are aware of the uh, danger if you will, of, of the injections of the mRNA variety, but even all vaccines, knowing what we know as homeopaths, vaccinosis was very real long before there were mRNA injections that tried to co-opt the term vaccination. And yet uh, we're seeing so many adverse events and ongoing events, even in people that have not been jabbed. And that's where I want to start with you, yeah. uh, Neil, in, in that discussion. It isn't just the people who have been jabbed we're worried about. It's all of us interacting with anybody who has been exposed to what may be in there. We don't know fully what's in there and just being around the environment. And we're even going to do an on a visual for those of you watching. I know some may be hear this later as a podcast, a visual test of what we call magnetism. That is an interesting concept. We've talked a little bit about it. Super Don is like, I don't know if we want to talk about that. Well, Super Don, we're going to talk about it. We're going to show you. So I've spoken enough, Neil. Now, your turn. Introduce the concept, what you've been witnessing over the past couple of years together, what we're seeing. So let me preface this first, uh, Robert, with <clears throat> with a little bit of uh, background. I went and visited a pharmacy um, with the intent to uh, ask them about the uh, jab. And I said, hey, I've been thinking about the jab. Um, what can you tell me? Oh, she said, just step around here and uh, we'll get you in and out in about 10 minutes. And I said, well, isn't there some paperwork I'm supposed to fill out? She says, oh, yeah, yeah, but we usually have them do it after. Well, there's something called informed consent that's supposed to be there. So she says, well, I can give you the papers. So she gave them to me and I'm a quick reader. And uh, I read on there, I understand the risks and benefits of this vaccine. So I said, well, I think I understand the benefits, but what are the risks? And she looked at me with a deer in the headlights look like, what do I say? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the risks are. She said, finally, she said, just don't believe the news. And I said, 
what? Oh, well, just, that's the news saying. Yeah. I mean, imagine somebody in the medical right. field telling us not to believe, Don't believe the, news, the news, right? Okay. So she says, well, they're saying it's magnetic. It causes you to be magnetic. I said, well, I have a client who's magnetic. Does that mean anything? She says, oh, you know, I got to help these people behind you. I, I don't have time to talk to you. So if you're going to take it, come over here. If not, I got to help these people. Right, so right, she right. blew me off, right? Okay. So today, this is really interesting. So we know that people have taken the jab. I've worked with them since December who've taken the jab and they're magnetic. But today, mm-hmm. here at the Health Freedom Symposium, I'm checking magnetism at large. 40% of the people who have not taken the jab are showing magnetic. Right. And so it's unbelievable. And, and I want to say this in terms of uh, what would you expect if somebody says, let me stick this metal paper clip, which is not magnetized, just it's metal, right? Yeah. On your forehead. And let's see if it just sticks there. Now, some of you would say, well, of course, it could stick if you're sweating enough, right? And then that's a reality. So, you know, dry it, whatever. Or do women you do. with foundation or, or makeup. Foundation, right? You know, you have yeah. to be careful. Don't don't get caught up yeah. in the, uh, you know, the falsity of that. Yeah, we want to say from a legitimate perspective of like, let's take some of these things that you can explain away into account and say, would you normally expect a paperclip to stick to somebody's forehead? Without glue or some sticky tape. That's what I mean. It's a reasonable question to ask. Like I wouldn't. I was like, you put your, you put a, a, a thing like that. It, gravity, whatever, does its job. It falls right off. So, in the uh, regard to a simple test, we're not even talking about using something that has magnetic. In other words, it is magnetized like a magnet stick. And see, we're talking about a paperclip. So, um, we did this earlier. We'll see if it works again on me. I haven't done this. Uh, test before. I've not done the analysis to say, because we know I'm not jabbed. Yes, I've been around people who are jabbed. I've traveled around the country, you know, and who knows who you're sitting next to. Yeah. If that's the vector of, uh, of, of, let's say, contamination from a magnetic perspective, whether it be considered graphene oxide, graphene hydroxide, what is it? I don't know. Whatever it so. is, it's designed to shed. Yeah. And and we know that it's programmed to do that. It's part of the programming of the mRNA. Right, right. So, so now, have you tested yourself in terms of this, this test? All right. So maybe you can show everybody. Do you have that paper clip? I right, do. So it's right here. Just right a here. regular plain paper clip. Actually borrowed from the library. We got it from the library. Stolen here, from the library. Stolen. They don't know. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them. So we have this paper clip. So uh, do the test like on yourself real real quick. See. So you just hold the paper clip up at the center of the forehead, okay. just above the nose. Right. He's pressing it pretty tightly. And... and and, okay, and so I'm a little bit oily on my forehead, but yeah. it's not. But if you tilt it down, in in a sense, then yeah, it's, it's kind of coming sticking. right off. Oh dear, right. we lost that. That's let's, right. We'll find let's her again. Retrieve it. Where is it hiding? It bounced off of me. Somebody doesn't want to do the test on me. I don't know. We got it. And there's another one it. down okay. there. I could have stolen from you as well. Okay. So I'm going to try the same thing. Uh, let's see if I can, you know, if I, I do my best to rub the oil off of my head. Yeah. Got a nice day here. Uh, let's see what happens. I try it as well. And isn't that interesting? Nod your head just a okay. little bit. A little bit. It. Okay. So, okay. Um, you know, still, I'm yeah, looking that, at that. That's, that's slight, enough there's, magnetism there's a, there's a slight beyond what I would say a normal, like, stickiness to me. And you that, can, yeah, there you go. You're, you're only yeah. two-thirds of the surface and you're sticking. Yeah. So it's not... I mean, I, I think it'd be more significant if I turned my head over and it didn't fall at all. But, but again, it, it concerns me, of course, that uh, knowing that I haven't been jabbed, that that's not, I wouldn't think a normal thing to see 
you know, ever. We never thought about like yeah. people being magnetic in that in that sense. Now, I have um, admittedly a magnetic personality, but right, uh, that's not what we're talking about here. So, what is your assessment? You know, as we're moving through this, all trying to figure it out. Well, I'm not saying that I have a definitive answer or you, but what are we assessing here? What are we seeing? What are we speculating on? Well, you know, I'm not medical in any way, so I can't make any claims or diagnosis or anything like You're that. You're smarter than doctors, though. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, it goes along with that magnetic personality that I have yeah, as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is, is that we... You know, if you take the research of Dr. Jane Ruby or or Dr. Uh, or excuse me, uh, the health ranger Mike Adams, mm-hmm. and and some of these other people who've done the chemical analysis of what's going on with the clotting issues, they're finding that those clots are not blood clots at all. Mm-hmm. So they're assembling, and the chemical analysis produced so far is tin and aluminum are the content of what they're pulling out, the embalmers are pulling out. And it's interesting, folks, if you remember this on Friday's show, we had a question come in through the chat room about tin. A mother and a a son, if I'm remembering correctly, said they tested high for tin, and they were not aware of how that could have happened. And I wasn't until I uh, talked with, uh, with Neil here about this, that tin was showing up in terms of those who have been so-called more magnetic, magnetic or magnetized. So something yeah. to do with tin, not exclusively, but I thought that was really interesting that you brought that up, having re- received a, a question like that on the show just the other day. Well, and tin is a ferrous metal. Aluminum is not. Mm-hmm. So tin is transferring across the blood-brain barrier, and somewhere in the head it is enough to create magnetism enough to stick. Now, the theory behind this, and, and, and Dr. Jane Ruby and several other people have brought this to light, but we know that it's being triggered all by 5G. And, and again, not being uh, medical, I can't, uh, I can't report with anything. But I can tell you that over the last five months that I have been doing my own research, I can tell you that over 50% of those who've had the jab are now, regardless of when, mm-hmm. are now showing magnetic. Would you say mild or more strong like you experienced what we showed you just now? I think I'm seeing a more mild version here today in the non-jabbed, but the jabbed are more, seem to be more strong. Okay. In, in the, the field is, is strong. Yeah, okay. yeah, I've worked with a couple of clients who were definitely magnetic uh, hardcore. And, and we're finding that, uh, we, we've been able to undo things as you and I did on our last interview. We talked about that. The further down the road research is showing that it's taken between two to four months of some detox protocol to get that handled. Let's remind folks, maybe if they missed the interview about some of those detox protocols, we've heard from others that have been implemented. Um, Dr. Carrie Made. Uh, mentioned a year and a half ago uh, a bathing protocol with um, bentonite clay and magnesium and Epsom salts and uh, baking soda. And then I've added borax to that as well. If you take but roughly a three-quarters of a cup um, of each, depending upon how much water is in your bath and so forth, that'll tend to neutralize the effects of the graphene oxide or the effects of the magnetism. Mm-hmm. But then you have to disassemble it, or, or you ha- that's part of neutralizing it, and you have to finish neutralizing it. And graphene oxide is a great place to start with homeopathy. Mm-hmm. Then you have to disassemble it, and that comes with the graphene oxide, but it also comes with magnetis polyambo. That's a, a great remedy in between there to help with the magnet uh, magnetic pull. And then finally, 
um, I think silica makes a good drawing agent. Yeah. We know that silica in a homeopathic version is called the oral surgeon. Yeah. And anything that's in the body foreign, we, we want out. Yeah. We, go to, we turn to silica. By the way, um, when you mentioned the graphene oxide, are you working with the classic remedy graphites in a homeopathic form I'm, or a specific I'm one that's doing converted? both. Okay. I, I have both in my pandemic kit. And so those are available, um, and, and they're tough to find, but uh, I've, I've scoured the world from my labs to get those, and I'm finding that they're making a big difference. So the question is how, and, and we, you've been so kind, we have, uh, let's just put up a, a quiet mention of an email to Super Don that says jab reverse, and we've been able to forward uh, things over to you-know-who, not mention anybody, and uh, you followed up, or somebody I know followed up uh, to help those folks that wanted some access to that. What about the access to some of these remedies we've just discussed? So I can, I can uh, you know, once I verify and so forth, I can I can connect that dot for them okay. and help out that way. Um, there's a lot of variables, and so I don't want to practice allopathic homeopathy, sure, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't want just one coverage to, to suit all. It, mm-hmm. Homeopathy just doesn't work that way, as you well know. So I have to be just a little bit of an individualized. So what happens is, is when they respond with what you just requested, a jab reversal, yeah. then they're sent an email that says, hey, um, this is a little bit more specialized. Please respond to this phone number. And when they make a call, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's it's like a 10-minute conversation to get enough details. Of, have I been sending you too, too many phone calls? Not? I'm worried that you don't have enough time of the day. over the. Do you know, I, it, it doesn't matter. If I don't okay. get to it, then they leave a message and I'll get okay. to it. Okay, good. All right. I, I just make it a priority. That's why I haven't got your written format, your outline right. that you wanted. No, Because so there's busy. still calls, but yeah. that's okay. And and I'm still busy moving, by the way. So, mm-hmm. so we have uh, some acknowledged. Maybe some of this is very uncomfortable. In fact, you were talking about being here in the library, borrowing some paper clips, and you had actually said, "Hey, did you hear about this magnetism thing?" And and you actually tested it on one person and another person that was there. It just felt like it was very uncomfortable. You could see that I don't want to have anything to do with this. No, I don't right. want to know. Right. I don't want anything to do with you. Please yeah. leave. And and so I just stepped yeah. out of the office. Yeah. So there, there is a, a a discord about all of these things, and and you know we're we're not averse to talking about them. Uncomfortable topics are part of parcel of what we do here, not to make yeah. you uncomfortable, but to say we, we got to acknowledge our stuff happening. And as I said, we don't claim to have all the answers, but certainly we want to acknowledge that there are issues that have arisen, and we're going to find things that can be beneficial for you that you might gravitate or resonate with. And, you know, I was talking that there's Cassidy Gunderson over there and we're going to get her on the show. And uh, she and her husband had, uh, you know, downloaded her husband, downloaded this formula that they call H Mectin. And I was telling you about my daughter being around her friends, some who got the jab and she would have a rash and nothing that we know would, would cause the response we would normally get. You know, we've been at this for a long time. Yeah. And we sort of expect that in most cases we know how to you know, address response appropriately and nothing herbal homeopathic or otherwise was really doing all of that that we expected. I expected. And so we utilize this interesting laces antiparasitic blend. And if you read the blend on it and I'll do a show on it, uh, it was quite unique. Some of the things I knew and like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then others I was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And so this is something that did, in fact, help. Uh, and then my point is to you, as I say, this is like, don't give up. If you've tried everything, you haven't tried fill in the blank. 
You may not have tried what Neil is talking about or other things. We'll continue to yeah, find those it, things. You know, the thing that I've said before, and I have to say this again, this yellow brick road has not been paved. Right. right. We, we, you know, the, the information that should be available has not been made available. So we're out here as uh, neophytes, so to speak, just trying to discover the whole thing. And and so I've been doing this magnetism research for five months now. I started doing the um, other research on the jab and the uh, immunus combo Um a year ago, a little over a year ago now, and, and I'm finding great um, performance and results, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, people are asking questions still today that I can't answer. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't have right. a lot of the answers, but, you know, we just work through the problems as they come up. Yeah, we keep digging. I mean, logic is something we're not abandoning here, but there's sometimes... Uh, inspiration that seemingly beyond logic, although you can apply logic to those things sometimes if you dig deep enough. And that's why I say about people getting information where like they go, I woke up from this dream and I got this information. I was like, well, how did they find out about the benzene ring? That was a dream. The guy had, you know, of, of a snake biting its own tail and he came out and had this chemistry breakthrough in terms of discovering something. And so my point to say that is that anybody in this audience at any point you could be completely not trained in any of the health sciences or anything and you you get this message like oh my goodness and uh, i'm just asking it you know pay attention to those things because you never know where the answers are going to come from and they're usually not coming from uh let's say medical research universities completely accredited by governments and pharmaceutical money everywhere so let me second that you know spiritual awareness spiritual tied in Mm -hmm. personal promptings and revelation you've got to be in that realm that's what you have that's the realm you have to be in today period yep personal i'm writing this down a revelation spiritual awareness and you know this is the point of establishing a relationship with the divine and this is a theme on this show and i recognize we have a plurality of all kinds of belief systems out there some officially sanctioned religion some not and my point is never to judge you where you're at it's you know it's your journey but to recognize there is a relationship with that which created you however you strengthen that relationship um you know thumbs up for me um because that would never ask you to harm yourself or another that's another aspect if we have a litmus about i was like how do you know it's not the voice of the devil i'm like Because the voice of God is never going to ask you to harm another in the process of, you know, bringing healing, right? It's not an intent to do harm, uh, injury or death. Now, this doesn't mean that we also don't acknowledge and recognize the right to self-defense. That's correct. You know, people misinterpret that all of the time, that we have an obligation to defend life, especially those that can't defend themselves. Uh, But I hope hopefully you get the argument discussion points that nuance them so you don't just blanket and go, oh, he said there's never a place that. You know, violence doesn't, it's like we don't endorse it or embrace it, but recognize that you have a right of self-defense. And that is also to defend against the things we, we don't even know we're being attacked with. Like we talk about the graphene oxide, who knows what's actually in these jabs? Have they ever released the ingredients? Partial. Partial ingredients What they wanted only. us to know. Yeah, just what they want us to know. Yeah. So that leaves a lot of gaps in our ability to react pro- appropriately, to counteract the things that we may not have gotten directly, but indirectly. In terms of just being around people who have got the jab or other vectors of exposure, which we may not be fully aware of either. But one thing we can't escape right now is the, well, third, fourth, fifth generation wireless technologies that seem to be everywhere and how they're interacting with 
things that have uh, properties of metals that, you know, well, are it, magnetic. And, you know, let me go back to the foundation to, to, for some of your guests, mm-hmm. some of your listeners here. You know, when you go back to the uh, book, and, and I may have mentioned this on a previous show of yours, but mm-hmm. The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur yes. Furstenberg. We haven't interviewed him yet, but uh, I'd love to. Yeah. I love I love that book. It, it's in depth. It's a it's a difficult, well, I won't say difficult read, mm-hmm. but it's a detailed read. It's a read. challenging read. Yeah. Um, because it goes, the subtitle of The Invisible Rainbow is A History of Electricity and Life. Mm-hmm. And he ties those parallels to electricity and life. Mm-hmm. Left and right. And then another good book is The uh, Truth About Contagion by Dr. Thomas um, Cowan. Tom, Thomas Cowan, yes. And, uh, and, and that is a, it's not an easier read, but it's a shorter read with uh, more conclusions, but not all of the proof that Persenberg puts in his book. So if you really want to know and understand what's, what's going on behind the scenes here, Read those two books. Gather the information out of those two books. Yeah, and remember, we are electrical beings. We are, we are energy beings. So uh, it's unfortunate, but the the so-called elite controllers on this planet that don't want us to know who we are and our connection to the divine, they do know we are electrical beings, and they do know that they can disrupt uh, normal metabolic, even cellular functions that you can measure in terms of chemistry uh, through electrical interface. And, uh, you know, I bring up the course example of if you don't, believe the invisible can can change matter energy can change matter just uh unscrew a light bulb on an active uh, bulb and just stick your finger in that socket and you'll say it's an invisible energy it's not real but it can kill you uh and of course homeopathy more subtle yet powerful forces that can't really kill you but can certainly affect positive and powerful change and so to say that these invisible waves of electro on the electromagnetic scale have no impact on on human or animal life I mean, that's an Huge. absurd, arrogant statement that, that is not factual, but it's convenient for those that want you to say, oh, yeah, yeah that's just silly. That's just ridiculous that well, you even talk and, about and it. Furstenberg goes even go back, goes back far enough to, to talk about the uh, loss of telegraph operators mm-hmm. and uh, switchboard operators and just that low level of frequency at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I've had people share with me here today that they went out of the country overseas to an area where there wasn't any 5G mm. and they were instantly could perform right. their duties much better. Yeah. And and so we're seeing that it's impacting us. The, we are electrical beings and, yeah. and that's uh, just so evident in what we're seeing yeah. here today. So what's the best way, Neil, that people can reach out to you? Is it still the same? You want to buffer it or do you want to have people come to you well, directly? Well, I need to buffer it a little bit. Okay. So if they'll reach out to you with Jab okay. Reversal, that's yeah. the best way to to do that and then expect a phone number back and and a brief conversation there's no sales pitch that involved there it's just some simple questions because Mm -hmm. not everybody's in the same boat everybody has different questions Mm -hmm. and and you could write a book to answer all the questions and then nobody would want to read the whole book yeah so just just a simple conversation is the best way to go yeah so send uh that uh email to super don and he we forward it through just kind of keep it buffered a little bit uh, ask RSB at Gmail, like it's the Super Don, and just put in the title Jab Reverse or Jab Reversal. We'll know what it means. You'll know what it means, and we'll get that over, and there'll be a follow-up there if you're interested in, in following up further. So is there anything we didn't communicate today in our little interview here? I think we've uh, said a lot in a short few minutes. I wanted to cover the critical things you yeah, know, that I you've think, been uncovering. I think yeah. that's critical. I think, you know, to to bring awareness, you know, maybe there's one other thing, and that is is if you have family or friends that are you love, you listeners, hey, 
get a box of paper clips and start sharing and then start bringing awareness. Mm -hmm. Awareness is going to bring action and action is what we need. Yeah. All right, Neil Schultz, my brother. Love you. Appreciate you you, so much. Thank you. It's always good to see you. And again, connect with the good people that are led by their heart and that also use logic too. It's not, we abandon it, but, uh, uh, you know, really know where their, their center is and you can detect it as you develop your communication with the divine. Those messages will come through and they'll be clearer and clearer as you learn the language, not only that we talk about in a spiritual sense, but the language of your body's cells, which we didn't, yeah. I didn't know growing up because I was raised pharmaceutically. I had to come to this very hard one information and communication Same skills. Here. Yeah. So Same here. thank you all for being here. Uh, thank you, Neil. Remember, God's honest truth, the power to heal is yours.